Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Commercial property management. So should you get your commercial property managed by a property manager? What does it involve? How is commercial property different from residential? And what happens when your tenant has an option that needs to be exercised or that they need a lease negotiated or when it comes to capital works, who should be paying what? If you don't know and you want to find out all there is to know about commercial property management, join me for this podcast and I'll walk you through with my special guest, Greg from Multiview, and we'll show you and tell you how commercial property is managed. We're here with Helen Tarrant and Greg Lazarus from Multiview. So we've talked about many aspects of commercial property, but the one thing we haven't talked about is property management and what exactly is property management and also why do we need property management in the commercial property space? So I got uh, Greg here from Multiview who manages, what are the 600 commercial properties? Correct. Only do commercial property... 95% is commercial. <laughs> yes. We don't really try to do residential. Yes. So expert, uh, also part of our team to help our clients out as well. So there's many facets to it. And sometimes we come to a point with our tenants or when we seeing leases, you don't know what the next step is. So this is where Greg kind of steps in. Um, and of course, uh, you may not be buying in New South Wales or Sydney or you might not be buying in Victoria or you might be buying Queensland or ACT. Um, you know, Greg's company can manage all over Australia. But, you know, you might also be looking, you might also have local agents. But regardless of what, where you are in your commercial property journey, who you're getting to manage your property, there's always something to learn about property management. That's how I feel because I'm always learning new things, especially when it comes to how to deal with tenants, how to manage things as you are have an ongoing relationship with them. Because, like I said before, it's about building the long-term relationship, right? So, Greg, tell us a little bit about how does... Where does property management fit in in the commercial property journey? Okay, so what what I'll explain with property management, and when most people think of a property manager, they think, well, I've bought a residential unit, so it's just some person to help me find a tenant, collect the rent, and uh, just give me my financial year statement. And property management's a lot more involved with that than just sending an invoice, collecting rent. For commercial property, um, you, you don't go to a tribunal. There's, there's things with leases and outgoings and rent reviews. You know, a commercial tenant's generally a lot longer, Helen. You know, they might be there three or four or five years. You've got retail tenancy acts. You've got commercial leases. Um, you've got outgoing reconciliations and a number of areas that you can recover money from the tenant that you normally wouldn't do in residential. So it's, it's not as simple as just collecting a, a rent. Um, and there's a lot more things in, in a commercial property than one, one might think. And that's where a good property manager comes in. So for us, typically where property management fits in is when someone buys a, they go through the journey with us, they, you know, they engage us to help them find a property. We help them find a property. They're in the property. Um, they are then, um, they go through the due diligence, they get to settlement. And then typically with the time between they're going unconditional and settling, this is where we bring in the property manager because they need to actually get started at that process. So um, if they're notified the day after settlement, then we're starting on the back foot. So it's 
it's the couple of weeks in between um, going conditional and settling that the property manager steps in, gets all of the documents, like all the leases, the contracts, and gets a handover if they're coming from someone else. And typically, um, there's a lot to deal with when you're getting someone who is owner-occupier managing their own property, going to a property manager, sifting through all of that and be ready to issue essentially their first invoice or settlement. Correct. Um, Yeah, the the amount of stuff... um, one can easily take for granted, but I mean, you can read a lease and, and for example, the tenant may have been paying from the, the 7th of July to the 6th of August. And when you read the lease, we can often find that rent was due on the 1st. So there's a whole lot of things that just by collating the data and reviewing things like bank guarantees and where that's located, this all protects owners with, especially Helen's clients, as they bought a property, they need a good set of eyes to to keep a lookout. Should that tenant have paid for car park? Should that tenant have also paid for signage? Are the outgoings in, in you know, in, in accordance to what the lease is? These are some of the things that, you know, we need a, a little bit of time and it takes a long time to actually review everything and, and make sure everything's in order. Yeah, so I think, um, give us some examples. I think you, you said recently there was a client of ours who paid the, the strata, right? And it was meant to be paid by the tenant. So, so that just happened today. So one of Helen's clients, we look after his property in Queensland, um, one of my colleagues said, um, we need to make sure that the strata agent is um, sending us the relevant strata levies. And all of a sudden, the we called up the, the owner and we said, look, we still don't have the levies in your name for our company to pay. And he said, don't worry, I've paid it. And we said, wow, but you mustn't. It's the tenant's responsibility. So he was so thankful because he had gone out and spent quite a, quite a lot of money, several thousand dollars to pay the levies. He subsequently sent us back that levy. We are on charging that to the tenant and getting that back. Um, and that was just one little call that we just did today to ensure that the levies are coming to us. He's now quickly signed over the correct document to ensure all levies are sent to us every month, every quarter, and we'll pay those levies and recover it from the tenant. Yeah. And you had one example where um, I think it was my client Joey in um, in up in Gympie. She had the Bridgestone is it Bridgestone tires. Bridgestone tires. Yes. So, so you managed a new lease for them. We we managed a new lease for Bridgestone tires, and not only that, we were able to see in an example that this particular tenant actually hadn't had their rental increased for a number of years. So you know, if the rent was a hundred dollars and it was supposed to go up by three percent, it should have been one hundred and three, one hundred and six, one hundred and nine. Just call them easy mathematics. And they should have been 109, so we sent them a new invoice at 109, and then we were able to go back and review all the shortfall payments that, that they, the previous owner had never collected to, to ensure we could get that from the tenant. Okay. And then this, this renegotiation of this lease, let's just go back into that. So sometimes you have a situation where the tenant's coming up and they have an option. Right, and so they've got an option that's due uh, in three or six months' time, and sometimes you have a case where um, the tenant is um, don't have an option. So, what do you do in that? So, those two so that's an that's an excellent question, Helen. And this is the big thing with commercial property because depending on where the property is, and depending on whether it's industrial or office or anything like that, it can take some time to lease out that property. So, you want to be always having a really great property manager and being on the front foot that. You're talking to that tenant. The option only works for the tenant. It doesn't work for the owner, meaning the tenant has the right to exercise that option. You can't force them to take it. That's you what can't it force them to take it. And, and likewise, if they've got one, you can't force them not to take it. Yeah, you, if they want to. So this is where it gets tricky when we look at contracts. If you people are looking for um, uh, like 
development contracts and they go, well, you know, we want to develop this property. Well, your tenant's got an option, right? They could technically take the option and, and hold you up for another three or five years, Cor- right? Correct. Yeah. And what with, with options in particular, um, a tenant must exercise that option in a certain time frame. So let's say that... that they, that tenant's got a window that they've got to exercise that three months before the end of the lease or six months before the end of the lease. So that six, three-month window, we can go to them and say, look, do you want to exercise the option? Now, many owners actually forget to do that. And then when it's a month or two months out from the end and the tenant says they leave in, it's too late because if the tenant tells you six months prior that they're not going to exercise that option, that gives you as an owner six months to find a suitable new tenant so that you minimize that gap when that tenant A leaves to find in a new tenant. Um, Likewise, you might be in a situation where you might want to get a revaluation and go on the front foot and say to that tenant, look, we notice you've got an option in six months time. If you uh, exercise that option, maybe we could do a nice sweet deal. Maybe instead of taking three years, you'll take five years. And all of a sudden, the the, the tenant says, yeah, they'd be happy to do that. The owner's got another five years of security of tenure, suddenly the property's got a brand new lease with a great tenant with five years left and the cap rate really comes down in that example, meaning the property goes up for that particular owner and they can borrow a lot better, they get better covenants with their bank. These are tactics, not tactics, but these are strategies that one would use to make sure that the property's always performing at its peak. And I think um, there's the, I get asked this question a lot by people who are first-time investors into commercial. What happens when the lease ends and do you go out and find a new tenant? I always say you negotiate with the current one, right? So normally, like just as a, a generalization, how many, like on general, how many like percentage-wise does your does tenants take up their, their option? Okay, so the, the strange thing with commercial property, which is actually music to everyone's ears out there, is tenants don't really want to move. Think about it. If you've worked in an office or if you've worked in a, a warehouse or a factory or a shop and a shop is a great location and it's trading really well, they don't want to move to a different location. They're trading really well. Moving offices, for example, is hard work. It's really easy if you're in the existing office to take the option and just extend rather than go through the rigmarole of, 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 uh, of taking a brand new lease or moving offices. And in fact, even if that tenant's looking to expand, if you're ever looking to buy, it may even be beneficial to buy the next office or the next shop because you know you've got a tenant who's performing well that's ready to pounce and expand and grow. Yeah, yeah. So these are other areas that you want to consider. But locking them in an option when they don't want to move is probably music to people's ears because it guarantees them income for a number of years going forward. So you reckon what? 70% of people oh, take uh, Okay, yeah, to answer your question, I would say at least, yeah, at three least. and four, 75 to yeah. 80% okay. take well, up their Okay, well, that's a lot. And that gives you a lot of confidence for people getting into commercial property deals that, you know, 70, 80% of people do. And others might just renegotiate the lease. So uh, most of the time, if they're not taking up an option, say it's a five-year option, they might renegotiate and take up an extra year or two years. What I've seen during COVID, and you would have seen that, sometimes they have a five-year option. They go, look, I don't know what's happening in the business, but I'll take another one or two years instead. And when COVID's over, you know, they will go and take another five well, years. It's, it's amazing that you've said that because I'm actually dealing with a property that we're doing right now. It's a property, a big warehouse in Sydney. And they had five years and they want, they've got five years on their option. They've come to us and they said, look, we actually are restructuring the business. We'd like to take a new seven-year lease with a five-year option. 
So rather than having five with a five being a total of 10, they've had five already and they want to take seven and five, an additional 12. Um, and and if, if that occurs, and it looks like it will, this particular owner will have had 17 years of the single tenant by the time they finish their, their second option, which is uh, really great. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So give us an example of one of the ways or one of the examples you've done. It doesn't have to be our client that you've helped negotiate a new lease. Okay, so um, one of the best ways we negotiate a new lease is that um, we know that if the tenant is strong and they wanted to take on a new term or something bigger, we will work with the owner and say, okay, well, look, we why don't we do X, Y, Z to the property? Why don't we offer them... Um, a new lick of paint. For the owner, it might be a negligible cost, but for the tenant, they're really appreciative. That can sometimes force their 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 decision to exercise an option or take even a longer term, and that's something that works very very um, well going forward. Um, sometimes it might be a lick of paint. Sometimes you might say, "Well, look, um, I want to get a valuation." Maybe if I give that particular tenant a month's rent free, they'll take five years and another five years. Don't forget, a month rent free in the scheme of things is is not a it's not a big cost because you're saving on vacancy, you're saving on incentives, you're saving on leasing fees down the track to keep that tenant and to get stronger covenants with the bank um, and a sharper yield is something that's certainly um, attractive while negotiating. Okay. And coming back to that um, Bridgestone ties you did up in um, Queensland with um, Zoe, they were looking for they were come they had an option coming up in about a couple of years time, but you were looking at renegotiating that lease so soon. So sometimes the client say, "Well, do we have to wait to the end of the five years to negotiate, or can we negotiate early?" Not at all. A tenant a, a tenant can can exercise an option. Um, usually, from the, the the lease actually is the is the the, the main indicator. But a tenant can always talk and say, look, this is what they'd like to do. They'd like to exercise an option or they'd like to, to take a new term or do a sur- deed of surrender with the existing lease. In um, Goodyear's case, um, they were rebranding oh, the right. entire site. So they were going to spend a huge amount of money on putting on a new awning, new signage, a whole lot of fresh things. And as a result, they said, look, um, we don't want to go and spend all of this money and only have two years left of the lease. Mm. We want to know that we can amortize that cost out. So if we're going to go and spend $200,000 on a brand new building, we want five or 10 years that we can actually amortize that cost for all the works we're going to do on the building. In that particular instance, it was music to our ears. We went to the owner and said, look, in this particular instance, we'd like to get five years. And that gave the tenant confidence because it meant that they could spend this money on a brand new structure and, and facade, and 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 pay it out, you know, uh, um, depreciate it over a number of years. And this is something that often will happen, um, particularly with restaurants, with new kitchens, offices as well. Um, it's something that is very common. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, people don't realise is that the lease is actually worth something to the tenant. Um, you as the owner, yes, when you go and borrow, the bank use the lease as you know an asset and they can rely on the income against it. But for the tenant, they see it as, as goodwill, right, for them. like That's why if they're going to be spending money, they want to make sure they're there for the long term uh, because you can't, you, know, you can't kick them out. But who would kick a tenant out anyway? But people do, obviously. Well, what's the number? Number one rule in real estate, location, location, location. Right. So, you know, uh, we've seen 
where we've got unbelievable tenants, um, a, a takeaway restaurant, a pizzeria, a Chinese restaurant, a, a, a dress shop that they do not want to leave because that location is their business. People might not know. How many of you out there might not know the name of the shop, but you know where it's located? Oh, it's that printing shop on the corner of Main and High Street. Yeah, yeah, I always go there. You don't actually know the shop. You know, you know Murray works there, but was it XYZ printing or 123 printing? Same as your pizzeria. We, we've got a lot of pizzeria. They've got very complicated Italian names, mm. but everyone knows it's the pizza joint on the corner. So in this instance, location is so important that these tenants don't want to move for love nor money. Mm. Well, what about under market rent? Like people look for at the moment because the market is so hot. Everyone's looking for that deal, right? They're looking for that magic deal, right? Who isn't looking for, for a the deal ma- out yeah, there? Yeah, we're going, everyone's looking for the unicorn. But let's say that people go, okay, this is a, a property and the agents always say to us, they always say, look, they're under-rented. Everything's under-rented in the, in the agent's eyes. But um, it's under-rented. It's, it's undervalued. Uh, once you're in there, you do a few things and you put the rent up. Now, how realistic is that in your experience uh, in terms of being able to get the current tenant sort of up in their rent to paying sort of more market rent? Or is it a case where you really have to kick out that tenant and put a new tenant in well, there? Well, that's an excellent question. And there's a short answer and a long answer. So okay. let me give you the short answer really quickly. And if you've got a long answer, please contact Helen um, at Commercial Property Cashflow and should be able to direct you to us because there are going to be case-by-case examples. One of the easiest examples we've used is um, we have uh, a number of properties all in one industrial complex. And what we did was we took each particular tenant who we believed was under-rented and said, okay, we will keep your rent at this amount, but actually you will need to take a longer term. So instead of being two years till the lease expires, we want you to take a five-year lease. We actually, in this instance, made our whale, our our expiry, much longer. By doing that, we were able to actually increase value for the bank and for a valuer, and that actually increased value. Now, that's a short answer. On the same flip side to answer Helen's question, most tenants are really loathe to increase their rent, especially if they're on a locked-in lease. You can't. So how's how's a way you can do it? That's one way. What's another way you can do it? You can increase income by adding extra storage. If it's really under-rented and you're in a locked-in lease, really, you've got... To no real to you've got to, to you've got to out. weigh it out. Yeah. But then at the, at that time, that's a perfect example where you will use the option or the end of that lease to actually go to that tenant and if they really want to be there, say to them, "Okay, this is what you need to do. We will uh, we will only accept that option if it's a market review and we bring it to market rates." That way, you've still got that six months or, or more ahead, and you can negotiate if they want to leave then you can rent it out at a higher amount. Otherwise, they will stay and pay. Yeah, so what happens is that when it comes to a time, if your tenant's locked into a lease and you know they've got two years to go or three years to go, there's really no reason for them to take up the option straight away, no reason for them to negotiate, and they're sort of locked into that low lease. And they sort of, for them, they're writing that out. And you as a purchaser knows that for you to get the upside might be three years down the track. So if you're getting into the deal, you look at the lease and you've got to be prepared for that. It's three years before that, that happens. And when it comes to that option period, there is always a clause that allows you to go to market review. And at market review, you pretty much then say, hey, you know what? Um, the the rent is no longer $25,000 a year. It's $40,000 a year. For you to take up the option, do you want the $40,000? If they're in a key location, 
and they really want to be there, the value of the business is worth it, they'll take up the option and, and keep going. If it's not, then you might have to then face with swapping out a tenant, right? And if it's a good location, tenants will bang in on the door to take that space because, you know, if a tenant's paying 25 and they want to be paying 40, they're going to, they're going to scream. No one wants to pay more rent yeah. than they're currently paying. But you know what? In the end, if it's a great property and many of Helen, all of Helen's properties are great properties and tenants are ready to rock and roll and, 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 and play, pay up, um, then you need to deal with somebody that, that makes you money. You know, you're, you're not running a charity. Um, so, so absolutely. So what does um, the role, let's come back, what does the role of you as a property manager do or your team do uh, okay. once they take over? Walk us through that. Uh, okay, so um, a property manager, you, you know, a lot of people think um, I can just run, I can manage the property myself. And, you know, everyone thinks property management, 90% of it is just sending out a statement and collecting the rent. If only it was that easy. In fact, the irony is that's probably less than 10% of our role. That's largely automated today. Statements go out automatically. Rent comes in. Um, our guys, our accounts guys run that. The the biggest position you want from a property manager is you want them to increase the value of your asset. You want them to protect your asset. And you want them to act as a middleman. And you want them to sometimes act as a bad cop to work to as an intermediary between the tenant and the owner. Um, sometimes, the, you know, the tenant may not do things that the owner likes, and sometimes the owner may have to, to deliver. The, Look, I want 40 grand instead of 25 grand because that's what the market is. And um, they might not be in a position or feel comfortable running that past the tenant. So 90% of a property manager's role is actually working at the coalface. It's working with the tenant. It's working with that owner. It's it's many times it's working with the tenant where um, one of the things we haven't touched on is tenants are in commercial property responsible for all the costs. Mm. So things like water, things like we just mentioned earlier, strata, pests, even the management, our fees are recoverable from the tenant. So all of these types of things, it's very easy to point for us to point that out in the lease. But it doesn't stop a tenant calling us up and going, wow, 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 my dishwasher broke. Well, our guys will look at the lease and say, actually, tenant, it's your responsibility. And what ends up happening is a lot of times is that mentality of the tenant doesn't stop when they call a manager. They, they'll often call an owner and say, well, my dishwasher broke. And then the owner's got to review the lease or says, okay, I'll fix it because they don't actually know what the tenant's obligations are. And that actually ends up costing the owner money. So our role is really to act as that intermediary to to digest the information with what's in the lease, with what the tenant's obligations are to do, to protect the owner, whether it becomes the 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 the, the notice periods with the option um, situations with commercial. You don't go to tribunal; you go to, to courts to make sure the owner's protected. There, plate glass insurances, insurances in place, guarantees in place. Um, and uh, collecting budgets, doing facilities, managements, all these types of things are areas that we cover. Um, and that's before we've even begun the paperwork, yeah. such as bonds and and rent reviews and all the, the like. 
Yeah, well, a lot of time people ask, like, what do my tenants, you know, my tenants want me to pay for this? Is Should I be paying for it? Uh, you know, like, and, and most of the time, a good property manager will refer to the lease first before they go out and say, yes, you should pay for it. Correct. But I also have this, this take, and this is just my personal take, that if you are there with a the tenant, like, for example, we've currently got um, a, a property that we're almost at the end of, the due diligence about to settle, um, where you've got an incoming tenant, um, and the outgoing tenant, you know, has not quite done the right thing with the incoming tenant. They haven't left the property in good stead. Um, they've ripped out some of the fixtures that should have been there. Um, so that the new tenant is sort of left in this state where they try to, you know, run the new business, but trying to tidy up the premise. And I've actually said to the vendor, it would actually be in their favor to actually give them, give the tenant, you know, four or five thousand dollars as a goodwill gesture to really help that forward. I mean, how is, how, how do you view that? I mean, how do you deal with things like where you have that situation where, well, you've got a difficult tenant or you've got a difficult ven- uh, landlord? I mean, <laughs> one, of the, one of the best examples um, that I can describe to Helen and to you guys out there was in King's Cross in Sydney, we had a tenant that had a kebab shop. And I went to the owner and he said, this particular tenant has, don't worry, I've got a great guarantee from him. He's a, he, he hasn't been able to pay now, but I can recover it. So I went to him and I actually said to him, Jeff, can I actually see the lease? Because we were, he was just wanting to appoint us to manage it and to make sure this tenant didn't do a make good, meaning he didn't actually bring the shop to an empty period. And I looked at it and he said, see, they've got $25,000 in a bond. They've got this, they've got that, they've got that. And I said, your tenant has a manila folder. It's a $2 company. You're not going to be able to recover the bond. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you can run this past your lawyer, but you don't have any security from this guy. This tenant's walked up and gone. And he was... And then when he factored in that he would have to, he wouldn't be able to recover the bond and he wouldn't be able to do this and he wouldn't be able, and he's going to face some vacancy and he's going to have to get it all done. He was in a real position whereby he said, I wish I would have spoken to you guys six months ago because this wouldn't have then happened. And in that instance, you want as a manager to be talking to your tenant, making sure that at the end of the lease, things like the make good are done because while to pay four grand might be great, you you don't want four grand. You you don't want it to be a higher amount, and because the previous tenant didn't do what they had to in the lease, and and that's really important, particularly when tenants are ending. So you want to make sure that that manager is making sure that if a property needs to be left with an empty shell, it's done as an empty shell. If I had a dollar for every time a, a restaurant said, "But I've spent five hundred grand on fit out," the fit out's worth so much money. The fit out's worth nothing to an incoming tenant. And in fact, to an owner, that fit out is actually a liability because it costs the owner to remove all of that to bring it to an empty shell for somebody else. Yeah. But that's the, the caveat is unless you've got another same tenant coming in, right? Correct. So if you have a restaurant tenant and you've got another restaurant tenant coming in, then the restaurant fit out is worth all the world to them. But if you've got a dentist coming in to a restaurant premise, then the fit out is an inhibitor to the the premise, Correct. and it's actually going to cost you twenty, thirty thousand dollars to rip that fit out. Out. Um, so, I've had two examples of this in, in my life. Firstly, when I first started out, I was working as a beauty therapist, and next door had a chicken shop, iconic chicken shop. Um, used to have door, you know, uh, queues out the door. Um, vendor and tenant disagreed. 
uh, when it came to rent review, they were paying $70,000 a year. They were hiked it up to a hundred grand. I actually called the agent and said, this is unconscionable. You will cost them a year in vacancy. You are doing your owner a disservice. Don't do that. And he's like, what would you know? You're the beauty therapist next time. Like, I don't worry about this, but I'm just telling you, they're going to move out. They moved out and they made the tenant like rip out the fit out. But that whole strip was all food. So that actually costed the owner like more than a year in vacancy because it's like it was a hundred grand of fit out that they just well, ripped well, out. Well, let me give you stupid. let me give you a great example. Yeah. Um, we've actually in I've got one instance where that hasn't worked, mm. but let me give you the examples where it does work. We've had situations where a tenant goes and spends quite a lot of money putting in things like a grease trap and extractor fan, um, and they would have spent fifty or a hundred thousand dollars doing all of this in. And their make good says they must actually remove it. So we've said, let's say it costs 50 grand for, for easy mathematics. And for them to rip it out, it will cost them 20 grand. So we've gone to that tenant as property manager and said, you know what, Mr. Tenant, it's going to cost you 20 grand to remove it. Why don't you just pay us out 10 grand? You give us 10 grand, you can leave the extractor fan and the grease trap walk away from the property, we'll take the 10 grand from your bond, you leave that there, and what's actually occurred is we've then got an asset to help lease out for an incoming restaurant. So the incoming restaurant says, wow, they've got a grease trap and extractor fan, they're thrilled, the owner's thrilled because they got 10 grand, and it worked brilliantly. Mm. Now, we've had one instance where that hasn't worked, We we did that exact scenario, we said to the tenant, you can leave it, the owner took that risk, and Bank West came, who was a blue chip tenant, and they were desperate for that property. And the owner was like, oh, God, we could have got them to remove it. But the well, owner Bank was West, so, so, so like, happy. Really they blue yeah. chip tenant. They yeah. said, well. Yeah. Well, recently I had this with my parents' property is that they had the um, – they were an old bakery that was in there, right? Yeah, Because dad was a baker. He always wanted to have – uh, have their own baker bakery and I didn't want to get up at 5am in the morning so for me I just ended up helping them invest into a bakery um, property um, the new incoming tenant <clears throat> is a vet so the bakery thing means nothing to them right and when they looked at it they go oh it's going to cost us too much to refurbish yeah. it right so for us we had to come up with basically stripping all of that out so that they can actually put the vet premise in there, right? Because it's the only instant where t- telling the previous um, tenant to keep it in there has not actually added value and meant that we had to actually spend twenty, thirty thousand to rip it out because for a vet coming in, none of those things, except but, for the air conditioning on the wall. It, it, it would work, but, but in yeah. this instance, let's yeah. take Hell as an example. If you're an owner yeah. and a, a vet wants to go in, you pay. Because the simple scenario is a vet is a sticky tenant. Yeah. Once they go, they never leave. Bank yeah. West is a blue chip tenant. Once they come in, they never leave. Yeah. So you want to make sure that working with a great property manager, working with an expert like Helen, you're guided to find a tenant. You know, take an example with Goodyear Tires. If they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a facade and they only want five years of the lease, I'm telling you right now, that 90% communicate, knowing the tenant, that tenant's not staying there for five years. They just put in that on paper. They stay in there for another 20. No one's doing a huge facade and fit out for five years. Yeah, absolutely. So this is how you read your tenant and know, wow, I can go to the owner and say, well, hang on a second. Let's structure that lease for that five years so that there's fixed increases, there's good this, there's good that. And we can just ratchet it up and ratchet it up and the property will just pay for itself. 
And that's where a great property manager comes in. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you, Greg. Uh, for all of you out there, thank you for being with us for this video. It's longer than our normal video, but um, it's important to cover off all those things. And there's even more things we haven't covered. So in the next uh, few episodes, what we'll cover is more the comparison between residential and commercial and how they differ, including property management for commercial as well as versus residential. And of course, you know, Greg has a lot of background history to give you some comparisons as well. But like I said, if you've got individual circumstances or you're looking for a community or basically a team to help to build your commercial property portfolio, reach out to us, helentarrant.com. Uh, if you want to have any issues, you want to troubleshoot some stuff with uh, terms of property management, reach out to me, helen at commercialpropertycashflow.com.au. And you can, of course, always check us out at unicorn with a k.com.au. So any, anyways, if you are looking for any kind of guidance and you're really looking for someone to help you out, Click below, book in the strategy session, join us. There's multiple ways of getting in touch with us and uh, we look forward to helping you in your commercial property journey. Bye for now. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.